Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It's Friday, April 5th, 2019. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me. And I know you join me every day, and I do appreciate that. And I hope you will call me, as you guys have been doing pretty diligently lately, and I do appreciate that, too. Now, when you call, you know, the whole show is shaped by what you're calling about. I think it makes it more interesting that you drive the show, not me, as to what you want to hear. And we're all shooting for the same goal, you know, and that's always financial freedom. You know, so we can do what we want to do when we want to do it and have the money to be able to do it. And so that's what we're, that's what I'm, what I'm stress here in the show, teaching you how to grow your money safely. I mean, safe is a relative term, you know, because if you invest in the stock market, you really can't use the word safe. But this is what we're all about, trying to help you avoid those pitfalls that are out there. And there's lots of them. And that's what the show does. It helps you avoid the pitfalls. So today, this hour, I'm going to do my best to get you to go along that path to get you that financial freedom goal. And we'll do it one call at a time if we have to. Remember, it's Friday. And as for, as it is Friday, you know, I put, put out the premium newsletter out every morning, Friday morning. And we're going to be going over some of the highlights of that during this one hour. So our anytime listener line is now open, you can call 888-99-CHART. So what's coming up on the show today? Well, my main talking point is going to be five places emerging as America's new technology hotspots instead of Silicon Valley. Instead of Silicon Valley. Merging technology hotspots. And there's a number of places across the country. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the jobs. You know, we got to talk about the jobs report. You know, yeah, is very interesting. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, corporate buybacks. Did you know that the market has been going up while there's been billions of dollars outflowing from mutual funds, meaning people are cashing in mutual funds, and yet the stock market's been going up? So why is that? Why? One of those reasons, corporate buybacks. I'm going to give you some numbers. And the credit card stats. I'm not talking. There were some surveys put out recently, and the, what uh, these four things that I'm going to talk about briefly. And I was wondering if this is what you guys should, should be doing or are doing about your credit cards. So those things we're going to talk about sometime today. Sometime today we're going to get to them. The market was up today, forty to forty points on the Dow, forty-seven points on the Nasdaq, and thirteen points on the S&P. The S&P, what, I think this is what, seven days in a row that it's gone up? Seven days. That, that's pretty good. Now, now that it's gone up seven days in a row, do you think it's overbought? Do you think it's going to continue that run up? You know, there's, you know, things don't just go in one direction. It's been pretty much consistent from the bottom it made in December. And here we are now in April. Do you remember the yearly pattern of the market historically? 
Okay, there's that old saying, go away in May. That's next month. April tends to be a very good month. May does not. So we'll see, but just kind of keep that in mind. So that we know that the jobs report was very good, 196,000 jobs this morning. So that was for March. That's what there was report this morning. Unemployment rate, 3.8%. Do you remember how many jobs were produced last month? I'm going to get into some more details about that. But last month was very disappointing, remember. And the ISM, Institute Supply Management numbers, released earlier this week. We're down just a bit for March versus February. But 2018 was a stellar year for manufacturing jobs. In fact, the best in over 20 years. Manufacturing. Remember those manufacturing jobs that were never going to return? It looks like some of them are returning. So, you know, if you're looking at the big picture of the economy, the experts are saying that you have to be bullish. I mean, manufacturing jobs, increase in salaries. Oil prices, $62.43 a barrel. And that's a five-month high. And for gasoline, the national average at the pump is $2.72 per gallon. And me living in California, that would be just great. Except our average price is close to $4 a gallon. Because we have the dubious pleasure of living in California. Where they have added extra tax this year. They have special blends that cost more. Do all kinds of things. So us consumers... That means almost everybody who drives a car have to pay, oh, well, at least a third more than anybody else does in the country. And what's interesting is the oil market worldwide, the demand um, is going to be probably going up. OPEC production, they've cut that back. Russia's cut back the production. Venezuela is a mess and don't have any oil basically on the market. Uh, so they're trying to push the prices up of oil up. Saudi Arabia wants it up higher. You know, Saudi Arabia needs oil to be at 80 to $85 a barrel just so they can balance their budget this year. Now, the, the cost of them producing oil is like a $5, $10 per barrel. It's really, really cheap. Saudi Arabia is one of the cheapest around. So... That's what's going on. Thank goodness we're pumping more and more of that stuff out of the ground. So, we, you know, their their cutbacks won't make the oil price, our gasoline prices go four fifty five dollars a gallon. That's very possible. You know, we, they cut that back. And finally, I have a real world example example of free markets working. Free market forces at work versus versus government mandates. I'm talking about labor rates. Target says that it will raise minimum pay for its employees to $13 per hour by this summer for everybody. Because the and they say it, it's because of a tight labor market. They, the supply and demand is working. The free market is working in this case. They're raising wages because they have to, to keep and attract employees, good employees. So they're not doing it out of the goodness of the heart. Would you think any corporation? Very few would do that. But they have to. They have to. So that's free market working. Thank goodness for that. Now, as you can tell, there's always lots of interesting news, I think. But first, let's go ahead and grab a question. Now, let's go to a live call of Robert in Arizona. How you doing, Robert? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? 
Good. I appreciate the call. So, yeah, I was just calling about uh, Walgreens, WBA. I know their stock took a pretty good hit a couple days ago. And I was just wondering what you thought. I really like the dividend aristocrats a lot. And it seemed like they have a low PE now and a pretty good yield. So I just wanted to hear your opinion on it, though. Thank you. Okay, this is Walgreens, uh, operates 14,327 pharmacy-led health and well-being retail stores. I think everybody knows about that. And they did get beat up, okay? Um, Walgreens now trading at $54 a share. And six months ago, in December, it was uh, $85 a share. So, uh, it's a multi-year low. But I noticed that a top, several top executives are buying the stock in the free market. That's that's always good news to me, Robert. When you know when there's actually insiders buying the stock physically on the open market instead of being offered, you know, shares through the company. I'm talking about going out and buy it. So that tells me that the, the, the fundamentals are probably pretty good. And looking at them, they're going to make $6.28 next year on a $54 stock. So that means it's well below 10 PE. It's around 8 to 9 PE. And that's their low for the last five years. The range is 9 to 25. So it's, you know, it's right there. Return on equity is very good. And I kind of I kind of like them at this price. Now they are near a 52-week low, so that you know you might want to wait to see a bit of a recovery um, from these this low. You might want to just give it a week or two, and let's see how the uh, stock see if make sure it doesn't go lower. You want to make sure this is the low before. So don't be in a big rush, okay, to jump in. Pays a 3.2% dividend. Looks pretty solid to me, and it's one of those stocks that, yeah, you buy it when it's cheap. And I, I, it's worth, it's worth around where it was, $80, $85 a share. So, yeah, I kind of like it, Robert. WBA, Walgreens, everybody. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I want to thank you for making this program part of your day, part of your routine. Justin and I do our very best to make it interesting. We try. And, of course, you you make it interesting by your calls. So, please call. Ask anything financial. Uh, and whether, whenever you, you can listen to it anytime you want. Remember, we podcast daily. You can cut out all the commercials for you so you can download it. You, so, you can search, listen, subscribe, and rate us, if you would. Invest Talk Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play any of those. And now I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. It's a fast-moving Invest Talk Friday. We've just completed the first trading week of April, and you, you want and need unbiased investing guidance, right? Of course you do, because it can help you achieve financial freedom. And Steve Peasley is serving up that guidance right now, live. So step up with your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. You know, as every Friday, I put out the KPP Premium Newsletter to all the subscribers and all the clients. Clients get it for free. But we comes out every Friday. In the market conditions section, I explain China's news has been the driver for stocks this week. If you notice uh, that the good news about China, they've been said 90% complete, the agreement. 
Well, it might be 90% complete, but that 10% could be the hardest 10%. So we'll see. But the good news that it, that we've been getting released to us and hints and drabs and drabs has made the market feel pretty good. So that's good. Not a bad thing. And I said that there was a blizzard of economic data this week released. Um, you know, the jobs report today, of course, was the big number. 196,000 new jobs. Unemployment rate remained at 38 uh, Did go down, didn't go up. But I went into some more details on that. Also, February retail sales report. That came out this week. It's kind of disappointing. You know, it was uh, I was down two tenths of percent. And if you took out automobiles, which sold a lot, it was down four tenths of percent. So that's not good news. That was a little bit disappointing. ISM manufacturing that was up. ISM services was down. Remember, our economy is more services than manufacturing, but both of the numbers are really high still. All above, well above fifty, and that's the breakout between expansion and contraction on the ISM numbers. So it's really still very good news. And we, what the uh, the unemployment claims this week was at like the lowest it's been since 1969. I don't think people appreciate that number at all. It's the lowest it's been since 1969. Okay, it was uh, 202,000, something like that, unemployment claims. Why is why am I impressed? Why should you be impressed? Because how many how many workers did we have in 1969 that would go on unemployment compared to how many workers we have today in 2018? We have a ton more workers today than we did back then, and is that the lowest lowest since then? Now, that's pretty impressive. Anyways, I thought so. Anyways, so. You know, I wonder what it would be in 1969 numbers. 1969, you know, based on that, doing doing the percentages and see if what what it would have been would it have been 150,000. But couple stock ideas, Consumer Watch. I talked about a great credit card deal from Bank of America. So you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I believe that every investor should determine their individual risk tolerance. And the first step, of course, to do that is by taking our risk questionnaire. You can get your own personal risk tolerance number. And then I send you information about that. You can do it right there at investtalk.com. It's called Riskalyze, Risk Questionnaire. But now I'm tired to take your calls, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Your decision-making process can benefit from practical and unbiased advice. If you consult with Steve or Justin. And on May 1st, Steve Peasley will be in San Jose to offer complimentary portfolio review consultations. So don't miss this opportunity. Register now at investtalk.com. Okay, my main talking point today, five places emerging as America's new technology hotspots. Now, everybody knows, everybody knows in the world that Silicon Valley is premier. I mean, if you're going to do anything technology-wise, you go to Silicon Valley. But there's other places popping up across the United States. And what I really noticed interesting about this is these are bottom in the Midwest, cheaper places to go. First one, Lincoln and Omaha, Nebraska. Now, I have been to Lincoln, Nebraska. 
uh, watched a football game there actually uh, many years ago. And you know, it's a small their their city. The Lincoln at that time was fifty thousand people, so it's not a big area, but it seems to be attracting. You know, and I know you think about Lincoln, Nebraska, and you think of farmlands, and it truly is. I mean, there's lots of open space there, but it seems to have, you know, attra- being attracting attracting a lot of a lot of uh, startups. And it might be because it's very inexpensive. Same thing with Huntsville, Alabama. That's number two on the list. Number three is Ames, uh, uh, Ames, and Des Moines, Iowa. Next one is Raleigh, Durham. North Carolina. Have you ever been to Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area in North Carolina? It's a beautiful place. It really is. One of my favorite cities in the Midwest, Kansas City. Kansas City is it's just, uh, you know, I, I think people think of Kansas City and they think of the same thing as Nebraska with these open fields of prairie. Well, not really. It's kind of, you know, kind of, it's not, it's kind of hilly. Yeah. So, it's not, you know, I, I really enjoy Kansas City. I was there for several weeks in my youth doing work for an insurance company back then. But those are the areas they're saying are the hot spots for startups, for, and the government is very friendly you know, to the new business environment and very low cost as far as living expenses. And you try to move to Silicon Valley and see how much it's going to cost you. I mean, my, my nephew who plays for the 49ers just bought a house in San Jose and it's a house built in 1961. Yes, yeah, a regular little house. Nothing, nothing. You know, it's a little ranch house. Not a big lot. One and a half million dollars. One point four. So, tells you, you know, how expensive it is to live there. You take that. You, th- that money would buy you a ten thousand square square foot mansion in the Midwest. <laughs> so, you know, same type of house would probably be about. something like that. So that's why it's desirable for young startups. They don't have that kind of money. Interesting, though. Anyways, our phone lines are open, everybody. 888-99-CHART. And here's a question that came in earlier, and it concerns the uh, Warren Buffett rules. Hi, uh, this is Sam from North Carolina. I have a question about Warren Buffett's rule. That is rule number one, never lose your money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. How is this uh, applicable to investing in stocks? Because when you're investing in stocks, there's no guarantee that you will that you will not lose money. Just wanted to know your thoughts. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, that is one of his you know, primary drivers, his rules. Uh, you know, never best invest in something that loses money. And now rule number two is make sure you watch rule number one. And, you know, that's just a rule. That's his effort. That's what he tries. Believe me, he's made, he's bought lots of stocks that have gone down. Lots. So don't think he, he doesn't, he, he, every one of his stocks are not winners. He just has a knack of picking long-term winners. And he's very good at it. Done it for years and years and years and years, and you know that that you can do the same thing. One of the problems that most people have that he does not have, I'll even mention two two issues that he has that really gives him an advantage. Two, he can afford to wait, and he's very patient. Most people can't. When I say wait, he'll wait years. He doesn't care. 
Number two, he always has consistent big money coming in that he can always invest more and more and more. We can't. We have a little bit of money coming in, maybe in our 401k or IRA. We don't have those. I mean, he right now he has the most cash he's ever had on hand. He waits and waits and waits. He's very patient. And he loves to invest in the depths of a recession. That's his favorite time to invest. Doesn't talk about it. No one really... I, I just go back to 2008, and I paid attention to what he was doing. Made some really smart moves in the depths of that recession. Lending money, billions upon billions of dollars to certain financial institutions. Remember, it was a big financial crisis. And yet he was lending billions of dollars to them. Uh, and, and how he was doing it, he was issuing, they, they were issuing him bonds convertible bonds. He can convert to stock prices at a certain low price on the stock. They had to pay him 10% on the bonds and he just, you know, they're paying him 10% of the bonds and then he eventually converted them to stock at half of what they were selling at the time. It, man, it was genius. <laughs> I wish I had that kind of billions of dollars to do, to do that. Anyways, Monday on Invest Talk, everybody. A 12 billion money manager has told investors to be very cautious amid bond market warning signs. I've talked about that. Remember, I told you that uh, 70% of all corporate bonds will be coming due over the next few years? Very, very, that's a problem. So there are opportunities out there, too. Don't think there's not. There always is, even in the bond market. So we'll talk about that on Monday. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions. 888-99-CHART. You know what my husband and I really want? I mean, after years of working and saving and investing, we want financial freedom. Financial freedom to do and live as we want, without worry. But our old 401k plan? It's out of date. It can't truly be working for us. You're listening to someone who would benefit from a personalized portfolio review, the kind of unbiased advice and sensible investment strategies offered in a no-cost preliminary consultation by KPP Financial. Sure, we feel confident about some of our investment decisions over the years, but retirement will get here someday, and we should cover our bases now. Get a valuable second opinion on your current financial picture. And KPP Financial doesn't impose unnecessary products or services, so you can make informed decisions with your money. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking and shared success. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. KPP Financial. Okay. Learn more anytime at kppfinancial.com. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they implement a very practical investing philosophy, independent thinking, shared success. Learn more anytime at investtalk.com. And now Steve is here taking your calls, so step up with your questions. 888-99 chart. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Will in San Diego. How you doing, Will? Oh, pretty good, Steve. I was looking at this REIT, and my thinking is that as more and more, and I think it's a billboard REIT, 
more and more of these right. uh, billboards change to electronic billboards, the, uh, mm-hmm. the revenues go up. So I was wondering what you thought of uh, OUT. Okay, and I think you're correct. Of course, the revenues will go up, but you also got to remember costs will go up too. So we got to keep an eye on that as well. Okay, Outfront Media, O-U-T, Out. Outfront Media, Inc. It's a $3.3 billion company. It's not, it's not a little company. It's a mid-sized company. It's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, providing advertising space on out-of-home advertising structures in the U.S. and Canada. So you're right. It's a billboard kind of thing. They make money. They've always made money. They're going to make $2.24 this this year. That's after two thirteen last year. Two dollars a year before per share, so it's going to be two twenty four this year, and next year two dollars and thirty five cents. It's a twenty three dollar stock, so that puts it right at a ten PE. The range of their PE, they never have had a very high PE. The highest they've ever had is fifteen. The lowest is about eight. So they're going to be right around ten. So they're kind of on the low end. They pay six point one percent dividend, and sales actually have been going up recently. Up in 13% the recent, most recent quarter. We still haven't got the first quarter this year yet. So um, we went, we'll see that in you know, a few weeks. But and, you know, from a fundamental point of view, it looks fairly strong. The only concern I have is that it has kind of a lot of debt. So maybe it's been upgrading its uh, billboards to those electronic billboards and they'll make more money. But they have a lot of debt. I would that would be my biggest worry is that that debt they're carrying. But it, as a read, you know, maybe they. I like to know how they got to that. Maybe they bought a lot of properties, you know, because they want to advertise more. And yet also, uh, Ray, this would be. Um, I'm sorry, Will. This would be um, very extensive to the economic cycle. If we go into recession, they'll not make money. They'll they'll probably lose money. Because advertisers will cut way back. That's your biggest problem is the, the cyclical nature of the, the business. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, Will. Let's go to Ray and Brea. How you doing, Ray? Hey, good, Steve. How are you? Hey, Steve, I'm calling in regards. Uh, I'm 60 years old, 60 years old, looking to, mm-hmm. looking to kind of uh, – um, Diversify my, my uh, 401k portfolio. I've created a 401k rollover so I can roll over some funds. Okay. I'm looking at uh, some high-yielding closed-end funds. And uh, one okay. or two that I have on my radar right now is KIO and EAD. And I just want to, know your no, want to know your thoughts on these closed-end funds. High, high yields, high yields. And I'm just yes. looking to hear your thoughts. Okay. Okay, they're closed-in funds, and you know what that means, Ray, right? I mean, most of the re- listeners probably don't, so I'm going to explain it to them. Uh, a closed-in fund versus an opened-in fund. A closed-in fund is a finite number of shares. They issued a finite number of shares. In other words, a million shares or 5 million shares or 20 million shares, and they're not issuing any more. An opened-in fund, they just keep issuing shares. As long as new people keep buying their shares, they'll just keep opening it, uh, continue, continue to uh, issue them. What's the difference? The difference is in a closed-in fund, the assets they hold 
can be, you know, the NAV of that fund, the net asset value of that fund, whatever it's selling at, could be higher or lower than the value of the items they own in the company inside the fund. It could, so they, we usually refer to it as either selling at a discount or premium. So my first thing to you, Ray, is make sure you buy these things at a discount versus a premium because they will fluctuate up and down. So this is KKR Income Opportunities and the symbol KIO, Closed In Fund Investing in First and Second Lean Secured Loans, Unsecured Loans, High Yield Corporate Debt. So this is a pretty risky REIT. That's what this tells me. Uh, right. So in a recession, this thing will get hit pretty hard. So you don't want to buy it now. You want to wait for the recession to buy this thing. It pays a 9.5% dividend. And if you'll note, its earnings have been going down 2-3% the last four quarters. So this is the kind of thing you don't buy. Uh, you don't buy here. You wait for the recession because it invests in unsecured loans and high-yield corporate debt, and these kinds of debts are the ones that default, which will drive the price of this, the net, net asset value, down sharply. So I mean, even in half or more than half. So I would not, I would not invest in this right now, even though, you know, at the right time, it would be a very good price. Okay? Okay? Appreciate the call, Ray. Army. I said that nine oh, percent dividend is is really interesting. Yeah. See, there you go. That the you know, when, you know the old saying: when it's too good to be true, it usually <laughs> is. Okay. So really, I, I I I there's nothing wrong with the company, right? There is nothing wrong with it, except you have to understand that it's very high risk, and that's why it's paying nine and a half percent because they know it's high risk, and that's how they're getting they're getting that big dollars for it. But in a recession, you'll lose all your gains, and you'll be cut in half. Matter of fact, Ray, if we're both around in the next recession, I'm sure we will be, why don't you give me a call? We'll talk about this exact same one. See how far it goes down. And I'll be telling okay. you, Ray, it might be, might be time to buy this thing. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Thanks, Ray. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you, you, everybody, you know, there's always opportunities out there. So you just have to realize you know, the companies that you're buying, what in the economic cycle we're in, where we are in the economic cycle, and I can tell you what we are is we're near the top. Okay? Now, can it go higher? Of course. The economy could continue to expand for another year or two. Of course it can. You know, something can come along and make it expand. If the government got together, the two Republicans and Democrats got together and decided to spend tons of money on infrastructure, the economy's going to roll along for another two, three, four years. But, you know, there's always a cycle. And in different parts of the cycle, different sectors work better or worse. And some work very bad in certain parts of the cycle, and some work very good. So you have to just decide or understand where you are in the cycle, and does the company that you're researching, is that the good time? See, looking at this, you will say, hey, it's done pretty good. You know, it's come off that bottom and it did in the market and it's been, it's higher than it was. It's right at where the high it was before. Well, I would tell you that this is not the time to buy when that's right there. And this is the kind of stock uh, company that really gets hurt in a, an economic slump. So 
but they come roaring out when the slump is over. <laughs> so, you know, you just got to know where where's your timing. When do you want to buy it? Okay, everybody? Jobs. 196,000 new jobs in March. Remember last month it was 20,000 February's. The official number. They revised that, you know, as of today to 33,000, but that is terrible. 20, 30,000 jobs. And, you know, if the, I mentioned yesterday that I felt that, told you that if it comes in that low again, the market's going to tank, but I didn't think it would. I thought it would, it, I thought it would be much better than that. And it came in better than anybody expected, better than I expected. Unemployment rate's still 3.8%. Okay. Um, so, What's going on there? Okay, well, healthcare led the way, 49,000 jobs. There was only two sectors that lost jobs, and I think it was construction and another one was a very little loss. So it was a broad, uh, broad production of jobs across the entire economy. So that's good. That is a good thing, is it not? I think so. So... What is the market doing? How is that going to drive the market? Will that drive the market higher? It's interesting. I want to talk about it a little bit, if we can get to it before the end of the hour. There's outflows of billions of dollars from mutual funds and people cashing them in. But how is that pushing stock price higher? Why would they do that if the jobs reports are so good? Hmm. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. I understand that many investors can experience fear. There's only two emotions in the market, fear and greed. So when they are unsure of how much portfolio money to risk, depending on many factors, including how close they may be to retirement, you know, it's a question that everybody needs to answer for themselves. Why don't you start by trying to understand how much risk that you are comfortable with taking? And that's our risk questionnaire that you can take on our website, besttalk.com. And that gives you a risk score. You know, just so you know, the stock market risk, the risk of the stock market, if you pour all the money in it, is about 80 on this riskalyzed risk analyst software. Okay? So if you, what what is your personal score? It won't take long. It's a very easy thing to answer. Only a few questions. So you go to investtalk.com, take the survey. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Made possible by KPP Financial. If, to any degree, you are unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial office in Irvine, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. And be sure to save the date. On Wednesday, May 1st, Steve Peasley will be returning to San Jose, California to sit down with listeners who understand the value of a no-cost portfolio review. So tell your friends and register to meet with Steve on May 1st. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen, Justin, how are you? Long-time listener here, love your show and everything you teach us. I have a quick question. I'm interested in purchasing a stock, Yeti, Y-E-T-I. Looks like it's kind of developing a monopoly on the uh, cold cooler business. 
It uh, has these great cold coolers that keep your coffee and your products either hot or cold for many hours. Great for camping, great for driving, great for everything. They seem to have good numbers, and they're growing fast. What do you think about them? I don't know if they have much debt or not, but they seem to be shooting up and making lots of money and look to be a good call for the future. Thanks for your advice. I'll listen for it on the podcast. Have a good day. Okay. Yeti Holdings, everybody. Y-E-T-I, Yeti. Designs, manufactures, marketing, innovative, and outstanding uh, outdoor products. Uh, their their earnings are, were ninety cents a share in two thousand eighteen. They're going to be a dollar one this year. Next year, dollar twenty four. So their earnings are really growing. The sales are growing pretty strong too. Nineteen percent of the most recent quarter. Uh, probably around twenty twenty two percent on average for last year. Um, so yeah, they they've done very well. But they've also added a ton of debt. You have to understand that they have a lot of debt. They've got to make sure they can carry. It came out an IPO in November. Do you remember what I've told you about IPOs after six months? After six months, the insiders can start selling their stock. Okay, so here we are in April, and we're right at about six months. So I would not be surprised. The stock has gone up, by the way. It came out an IPO. The first trade was like a $17, and the first about a month after that went down to $13, and since then it's gone straight up to now it's $29.60. I'm going to suggest that you're a little late to the party, and the party is going to start turning difficult because insiders are going to start being able to take some profits. You know, the, the founders of the company are finally going to start to be able to realize some money if they want to and start diversifying their holdings, that's what I see, will probably happen, because that's what mostly happens with the IPOs after six months. But the numbers are pretty solid. Is a $29 stock going to make $1.24? So that tells you that it's what, a 22, 23 PE? Seems kind of expensive. Right now, if you're based on last year's PE, you're talking about a 30 PE? So, yeah, it's just too expensive for me, and it's too new for me. So, yeah, it's a wonderful product. Yeah, I agree. But I don't think I'd buy the stock price at this point. It's too expensive. Okay? Now, here, the, while the market's been going up recently, mutual funds outflows have reached $39 billion year to date. $39 billion year to date. Why would that be happening when the market's been going up year to date? Why are people cashing out? And the next question would be, why is the market going up while they're cashing out? Well, I can't answer why they're cashing out, but I can probably answer why the market's going up while they're cashing out. Remember, $39 billion has gone down. You know how many corporate buybacks we've had? How much money in corporate buybacks we have had? It's been... $227 billion for the first quarter of this year. Remember, $39 billion outflow from mutual funds, but $227 billion buybacks spent so far. Now, compare that with the all of 2018. There was only $143 billion. Why are all these companies spending so much money on buybacks? How long would that stay? There's another reason, too. 
we'll get to that in a minute. This is Invest Talk, and I'm Steve Peasley, and this hour always seems to go by fast, and the weekend is upon us, everybody. So you got 10 minutes, 10 minutes remaining to ask questions. 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, a $12 billion money manager has told investors to be very cautious amid bond market warning signs. That story on Monday. And now Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Paul calling from Sacramento. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are about Graco, GGG. I am not a shareholder, but I am interested in uh, possibly purchasing some shares. So your uh, insight into the stock, the company, and maybe what a good entry point could be um, would be really appreciated. Thank you very much. Uh, listen for the podcast. Well, this is a very old line company, Graco Inc. I haven't heard anybody ask me about this. It's in the machinery uh, general industry section sector, manufactures equipment to pump, meter, mix, and dispense fluid and power materials. Okay, their earnings have been steadily going up for years and years and years. It's not just a very exciting stock, and never ever has been anyways, uh, but it's been always a very solid. They don't pay much dividend, 1.2%. Uh, it's gotten a little pricey. Remember, this is an old-time industry, and it's overbought. Relative strength is really high. I think it's about to ready to roll over and pull down. So I would wait for that pullback. But it's pricey. I mean, I mean, in recent years, it's been a pretty high-priced stock because of the strong economy. This is one of those. It's very cyclical. So when the economy starts to turn down, this will turn down. Um, so you, you know, if you think the economy is going to continue roaring for the next two, three, four years, yeah, you can buy that stock, but I, I would not buy it at this high level. It's at a 52 week high. Now there's that old, um, there's that old saying, just the trend is your friend and the trend has been up since December and it's done a lot better beating it. It's at new highs where the market's not. So it's beaten the indexes. So you you could take your chances, but that, I think you're buying it at a high. I would really be careful here. If you do buy it at this level, now, see, I, w- I really can't recommend it because the last four or five days, it has spiked from $49 to $52. And this is an old-time industry company that just doesn't have the kind of power behind it as far as stock price movement. just doesn't. And so the other thing that we're talking about why the market's been going up besides corporate buybacks, the other one was options and future markets. I mean, there's huge, huge options and futures betting on the upside of the market first quarter. So that pushes the market up. Does, really does push up the market. Credit card statistics on a survey that I thought I would share with you. You know, we all have credit cards, but how many of you have ever called to ask the credit card company to lower they their um, their um, uh, average average annual percentage rate. Any of you? Twenty five percent of men and sixteen percent of women who own credit cards have asked that very thing in the past year. Did you know you could even do that? Ask them to it, and many times they will. 
They could and they will, especially if you threaten to go somewhere else. 34% of men and 23% of women asked for higher limits in the last year. You want to spend more on your credit card. And if you have good credit, they'd be happy to do that, won't they? 55% of men, 22% of women asked for an annual fee waived. The annual fee waived. They'll do that too. You, you, you got to ask though. And 70% of women and 59% of men have never asked to lower their annual percentage rate. Now, I'll be honest, I have never asked because I carry no credit. I carry no debt month to month. I pay it off every month. And that's, of course, what I recommend for you too. Don't get into the debt trap by carrying over debt, especially credit card debt. That's a very expensive debt, the most expensive debt. So that's not a good use of your money. Well, the the S&P was up again today. That's six days in a row. <coughs> Excuse me. Or was it seven? A lot of days in a row. Dow was up 40 and the Nasdaq was up 47. Unusual for the Nasdaq to be up higher than the Dow or vice versa. Usually, I'm talking about on a percentage basis. Usually, it not, it's, it's, yeah, it's not that like that. It's usually the Dow has more points. Um, gee, we're, I'm just going to go to another point, but I can't because we're out of time. Out of time. I'm Steve Peasley, everybody. Thanks for being me with us today and this week. I appreciate you, uh, your patience and your calls. So don't think I don't. I do. And I want to thank you. Thank you very much. Have a nice weekend. Enjoy your days off. And good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.